showtime. Welcome to the Rosie and Bill show. Our guest tonight may share a surname with a Hollywood A-lister, but he is a talent in his own right. He was a Grammy and Golden Globe nominee. He's a singer, songwriter, musician, actor, and now filmmaker, and he does it all seamlessly. Please welcome to the Rosie and Bill show, Frank Stallone. Frank, thank you for coming Hello. to the show. From sunny, well, actually rainy California today. <laughs> Oh, well, we're swapping weather patterns. We've got, we're, we're dry right now. I heard yeah, Philadelphia, the, though, is going through floods. Oh, yeah. Yeah, over year yeah. floods in some areas. I mean, really bad, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, wow. I saw some people on Facebook. They were like, enough with the biblical rain already. Is it down, is it like in downtown Philadelphia, more or less, or? Uh, yeah, yeah, they they had some flash flooding in Philly and then Bucks County and whatnot. Wow. Uh, we got it real bad in Chester County like a month ago, and and we we kind of missed this one. So Man, that's interesting. Oh, okay. So you miss it? I can tell you miss Philadelphia. Oh yeah, can't wait. Love to have that clean scoop of water, <laughs> river flowing over my body. Yeah. Yeah, you're ready to get out there on the kayak. Oh yeah, man, can't wait. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. I've been back to Philadelphia since Rocky Balboa when we did the movie. And then came back later and did the dedication to the statue. Oh, that's nice. That's I love wild. that statue. Well, we want to turn back the clock with you a little bit because we always like to ask our guests because you are so talented, Frank. I mean, you you, you you really are, and you're you're so accomplished. When did you realize, as a young boy, that you had this talent and that this was your thing? Well, I think as a young boy, I realized what I wanted to do. I don't know if I was really aware of the level of talent or, you know, anything at that point, but I just knew in the fifties when I uh, opened my mouth and started singing. And then I was like, all these people were looking at me and my relatives. I figured ah, that's kind of cool, you know? And, and then when I saw Elvis, that kind of put the nail in the coffin. That was about before it was more like, you know, 
Jerry, no, not Jerry Vale, more like Sinatra, Dean Martin, Nat Cole, that, that type stuff, you know? And then when rock and roll hit, when we, I was over my aunt Nancy's on Missouri Avenue in Washington, it was 1956 and we saw Elvis first time on T, uh, that was it, done. And my relatives, very, most of them couldn't speak English too well. And they were like, yeah, got that. So is this day. And we were sitting there, my cousins were like, oh, yeah. Totally cool. Yeah, greasy hair, long sideburns. Because no one ever seen anything like him before, you know. So that was that was the major hook. Because then with that came the Everly Brothers and of course Jerry Day Lewis. That was really the birth of rock and roll. I mean, Carl Perkins, Little Richard, Chuck Perry. So that was our thing. And then there were the doo-wop groups, you know, like the platters, the spaniels and all that stuff like that. So it was actually a really cool time, the blending of rock and roll and rhythm and blues and all that together. So that was a real potpourri of music. And then when the Beatles came out, that really put the nail in the coffin. My parents said, He's, we've lost him, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> Everything now was like British, you know, peak coats, Beetle haircuts, beetle boots from Tom McCann's, you know, just all that stuff like that. So Flag you did brother. all that, right? Oh, yeah, oh, of course. I mean, those days it was like, you know, being British was the thing, you know, so, and my hair was kind of curly, so I tried to straighten it, and a beetle haircut, pico, white jeans with beetle boots from Flag Brothers, and then we go downtown and yeah, meet the girls at the Eagle at John Wanamaker's, yeah, the whole thing, you know. Oh my God, Wanamakers, that's a name from the past. Oh, that was a great store, man. That was a beautiful store. Ah, there were a lot of, you know, that's the same thing. I mean, downtown Philadelphia in those days, you had, God, you had Lit Brothers, you had Bonwit Tellers, you had Gimbals, you Gimbles, had John yeah. Wanamakers, uh, Bambergers. I mean, you had a lot of, it was, downtown was flourishing. I mean, Market Street, when I was a kid, I mean, it was just filled with movie theaters and theatrical shops. And my safety patrol, I was on the safety patrol. My thing was 21st and Market. And it used to be a thing called the Erlanger Theater there, which they tore down. And performing there was Lucille Ball and Wildcat. That was the billboard out front. And I was like, oh, God, well, forget Did you meet her? No, I was just on the safety patrol. Oh, she's my idol. Board. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. No, I did. I have met her. I didn't meet her then. That was 1958. No. Wow. Well, there's there's another store, Frank, that uh, I wanted to just ask you about. And again, this is kind of going back to your younger yeah. years. But uh, I remember a story about a particular summer when you worked your tail off, saved up $150, go right. to 8th Street Music, buy right. a bass guitar, you bring it home. And your stepfather, who had initially said that if you work for it and save for it, you can have it, takes it from you. Yes, he did. I never got a chance to really play it. Yeah. I mean, that was devastating. That... You know where I worked? Gino's. Gino Marchetti. Oh my gosh. On Roosevelt Boulevard. Yeah. So a whole summer for 150 bucks. I mean, that's that's kind of slave labor now. But because I had a band. And we didn't have a bass guitar. So I had my friend and I playing guitar and we had a drummer. So I just turned all the treble off on my guitar. So that was like our bass guitar, you know? So, and I couldn't play bass, but I figured, well, someone's got to do it. So yeah. I bought this bass and my stepfather, who was really, uh, 
yeah, it wasn't cool. I mean, but he did that. And he said, well, you know, if you work on you buy, you know, if you earn it. And I did. And they took it away. So that was really bad news. That that was a drag. That was not fun at all. But I finally, because he was never in town, so I'd take it anyway, go in the closet, <laughs> just you know, play. I was going to say, that had to have really an impact on you. Oh, it did. Oh, of course. It's, it, it, the impact was never tell him the truth again. So <laughs> there you go. He was like old school Sicilian guy. I mean, he didn't get me at all. Nothing. He didn't get what I was about at all. You know what I mean? Yeah, when you go get a job, cut your hair, all this stuff. It was a horror show. So the second I could bolt, I was out. Yeah. I understand as accomplished as you are as a musician, you got that way without knowing how to read music. No, I went to... I, I went to music school, but here's the problem. I realized I have ADD. I, I have a learning. I can't, even though I can play music and I understand it, for some reason, I could not apply, you know, all the notes. And I realized that my brother is somewhat the same way. We mm. just have ADD and we didn't come from a, uh, <clears throat> I mean, it's, we are really unlikely candidates to do what we do. My father was a hairdresser. Okay, so it wasn't like we came from like, you know, the Rothschilds or like artsy fartsy, you know, background. So we both went into different fields in show business, but just kind of by hap happenstance, you know. Yeah, I was going to ask you as a kid. I'm sorry, Bill. Uh, did you did you see that for yourself or like? Yeah. You said, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Never wanted to be a fireman, didn't want to be a cop, didn't want to be like all that stuff. This is what I want to do. I want to be in show business. I want to be a musician. And that's it. You know, Frank, we're, we're going to come back and touch on what you just said uh, a couple more times. But I, I just need to throw something out there right now. Because mm -hmm. as you were telling that part of the story, I flash back to when I was in high school and when I was in college. And I wanted to be either a rock star or a sports reporter. And I that's got a big whiff right there. Heroes <laughs> support. You know, yeah, zero. Yeah, I didn't get it. You know, you're going to work at General Electric like your dad did for 38 years at 32nd and Chester. Uh, you're going to go to Boeing or you're going to do whatever, you know, yeah. bit. No, so no, I, 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 I get it. I get it, man. Yeah. But the thing is, uh, yeah, they, they for some reason they had this idea because if your uncle or your father worked at the job, that's what you were going to do. I had no intention of being a hairdresser at all, you know, so. Uh, so, it, but you have to understand, Bill, back then, it's not like it is now. I mean, we're talking about the only social media was the radio and newspapers, yeah. period. And we would do the hops, like with the boss jocks, like, you know, Long John Wade and Joe Niagara, Jake Cook. So they would have, and we did the battle of the bands, you know, and uh, I think we won. I think we got ripped off, but that's another story. <laughs> you know? And those were really fun times because... You're 16 years old. I mean, at one point we couldn't even, we, we, our parents had to drive us to the gig, which was really embarrassing. <laughs> we thought we were too cool for school. You know, we thought we liked the Beatles or here's my mom. You know, it's like, so it was like kind of really, really kind of strange. But it does sound like you had so much fun. And look, oh, yeah. there, that's there's so much kind of young innocence to that, to be oh. able to, pursue your dream even if you're not making any money and then when you get that first buck it's like so exciting you never made i know much money we made the first gig i ever did that's before we had a bass start the three of us we played on our drummers 
lawn next door. He was having a party. And I think we got paid the whole group five bucks and happy to get it in 1965. So it was like a dollar 60 each or something like that. And <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, we'll take it, you know? And uh, sometimes you pay for nothing, but a lot of it was practicing in the basement. And the whole thing was like just the image of, I mean, they had so many magazines out there. They had 16, Team Beat, Tiger Beat, Bing. I had every one of them. Seriously, I had stacks as tall as I am of magazines. And I really was a bad student in school. Not, I wasn't a bad kid, I just learning problems, right? And my stepfather took all those magazines and threw them in the incinerator. Oh. And they were all mint condition, perfect. And Beatle posters, by the way, I had. And I, you know, so I had that kind of stuff to contend with, you know what I'm saying? So it wasn't like happy days, you know, with right. Richie and his parents. But against all that, you had to have, you had to have a thick skin. You know what I mean? You have to have a, you have to have a belief that you can really do it. I mean, it can't be, you can't have a belief like, Hey man, I'm going to play uh, local bars. If that's where your level is, then you've set your bar there. Then fine. My bar was, you know, I wanted to be like, you know, Shea stadium, you know, that's where I wanted to go. But I was really into, it wasn't about the money for me. It was the whole idea of like what, what you were saying, Rosie, the discovery when you're a kid, you know, wow. Well, the thing, Frank, that that I I love about you, and, and especially after having watched your documentary, and and we'll get to that in just a second, yeah. is that no matter what, you have stayed the course. Same you're still, you know, shooting a straight arrow here with what you know you're supposed to do. Still in the game. What your purpose is, and no matter how many times you've gotten knocked down, or maybe things didn't go exactly the way you wanted them to yeah. or felt you warranted. You're yeah. like, I'm, I'm still doing it. And I well, have a lot of admiration yeah. for that. Thank you. Cause well, actually in my situation, not I, my brother and myself, not having like stellar educations is not like we went to like, you know, Princeton, we barely got a high school when there was really nowhere else to go. I mean, that's what we did. I mean, there was no, wasn't like, well, if this doesn't work out, I got my MBA and I'll go, you know, work <laughs> at the Drexel Institute of Technology or something. There wasn't, there was no out. That was it. So, but it was okay. Cause I, I dug it. I liked it. You know what I mean? I liked the idea of it. And uh, I don't think that's why I stayed in it. Cause there was nowhere to go. I think I stayed into it cause I liked it. I just want to be loved. I want to feel everything I don't want to give up Lose my faith and begin again It's gotta have feelings It's gotta have meaning Cause I need a With my education, what, what could I have done? Like, a, you know, 
like work in a feed store. I don't know. Well, I think I think you just recognized what you were meant to do. I mean, I think yeah. that that's you know that's a great blessing. Yeah. Now, I think also Frank that you seem to have a good sense of humor, and and Bill and I. When we heard the title of your documentary, folks, yeah. the title of Frank's documentary is Stallone Frank, that is. Yeah, in little words, yeah. <laughs> that, that's fantastic. I, you know, we, we love that you did that. Well, I did that because that's what always people go. All right, Stallone. Yeah, Slice Brother Frank. Yeah, that's it. Or when they, I do these bad movies, like these bad action movies, you know, I was starting out. So I did one with Chris Mitchum, who's Robert Mitchum's son. If you saw the poster, Stallone, Mitchum, <laughs> they're back. And then underneath, like in little microscopic Frank and Chris. So, I mean, so that's kind of where the, that's where that comes from. Stallone, Frank, that is. Because I figured I would do this documentary and have this big Stallone, like, you know, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> that is. <laughs> Like Star Wars, that pulls you in. Then you go, oh, okay, there we go. That's that's great. Yeah, I mean, you, have to, when, if you don't have a sense of humor, Rosie. Yeah. In this gig, you will. I mean, there are people. I mean, there are people that. I mean, they they off themselves. This is a very. You know, they always ask me, oh well, you know, my daughter, she wants to be an actress, go to Hollywood. I said, forget it. I said, you know what? Honest to God, her chances are like millions to one. Yeah, but Frank, you can't say that. You should be encouraging her because you know that if you have that in your heart, you're going to do it anyway. Yeah, I think I think you can tell. But some people think it's like a folly, like it's a lark because they were like the cutest girl in high school. They're going to come to Hollywood. <laughs> There's millions of those coming. Oh, yeah, I would. I acted my 4-H club. I said, wait, are you kidding me? This is Hollywood. This will eat you alive here. You have to have I, a thick skin. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I've encouraged say, people that have talent, though. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, Frank. You have to have the talent, and that's yeah. one of the other things with you as well, is that you were putting in the time. You were, you know, and again, it's, it's, it's mentioned in the documentary, all that you went through with American Tragedy and the three different iterations yeah. of Valentine. Yeah, but you were no overnight success. Oh. I remember years ago, I think it was Billy Ray Cyrus came out and they said, "Oh, he's an overnight success with Aki Breaky Heart." We well, he was playing clubs in Kentucky for fourteen years, six nights a week before. Yeah, that. of course. Yeah, I know, I know. Everyone's an overnight success. I mean, I didn't have my first hit record till I was thirty-three almost, and I started at fifteen. And that's in those days. You know, I, I was talking to a few pe friends of mine that have done, you know, American Idol and stuff like that. Daughtry, who's really good, but he was good. He had his own band. That's why he was better than most of those acts, even though he didn't win. But he's the one that's really making a living. <clears throat> uh, that I used to play 160 minutes of music a night. Think about it. Four sets, 40 on, 20 off, 40 on, 20 off. So you do that five nights a week. You just by process of elimination. You find out what works for you, what doesn't work for you, what's this, what's that. And the problem is with some of these shows, yes, they might be talented. They might be, but they don't have a show. Right. In other words, they can come on once a week and sing a song or they'd be cute, dance. But now you got to do it in like an 80, 80 minute, 90 minute show. What are you going to do? So I was, I was prepared 
In other words, I, you know, I think some of the uh, keys to success is preparation at the time of opportunity. You know, like in the old days, those fighters, ah, he's ready to fight. They're always in shape. So Frank, in regards to the documentary, mm -hmm. what prompted you to, to bring it from life to cinema? Well, okay, I wanna make something really clear because there a lot of the press, they're going, wow, Frank's, it's like a self-advertising for Frank and he's the producer. Not true. I, they came to me. I wasn't planning on doing a documentary in my life. I figured, first of all, who cares? You know, at this point, I've been around for so long. So there was this young filmmaker, uh, Derek Wayne Johnson, who came up with the idea. And I was kind of first, yeah, sure, kid. You know, because I've heard this stuff for years. Hey, you know what? We're going to do this. And it never happens, right? So I was like, whatever. So <clears throat> I gave him all the names of the people that I knew that I liked that were friends of mine, like Danny Aiello, you know, John Oates, who I was in a group with and stuff like that. And they did the rest. So I didn't, I wasn't privy to any of the interviews. I wasn't there. So, and I wasn't made producer until after the movie was finished, almost coming out. My manager goes, well, don't you think Frank should have a producer credit since like he gave you everybody on the show? So that's what it was. So it wasn't like, okay, I'm going to produce this and I'm going to do this thing on me. It wasn't. Well, I'm no. glad you're, you're, you know, that's a good thing to know. Not that it makes a difference in it for yeah. us, but I mean, that, that is interesting. But and, you know, there's and some he people did a great job. Well, there's he some people out there who want to give me the needle, you know, no matter what you do. I mean, I mean, but, no matter what you really do, you could do, you could vent the cure to every disease and they don't like you and they got a thing because maybe they don't like your brother, they like a movie or something. You can't win. So you just let it pass. You know, what is it? comes up in the documentary, Frank, you know, they they ask you some of those questions and and it kind of goes back to what I said earlier, where, you know, in the documentary, you admit, you know, yeah, sometimes I got a little bit bitter. I mean, but you're still here and you're still doing it. And this staying alive, I was saying to Bill, how do you get nine songs in a movie and still have trouble and get nominated, yeah. right? For all these major awards and yeah. still have trouble getting a record deal after that. Like I'm, I'm blown away when I heard that. You know, I mean, it, it's, here's, here's the thing because like what Arnold says, it's not easy because you live in the shadow and every time you get a great job, you know, people say you probably got that because of your brother. He didn't. He got this because of his talent. He's gone through hell. I mean, they would put signs up appearing tonight. Rocky's brother. Rocky's brother. Oh, man, come on. I felt like a complete and absolute failure. I wrote the songs. No one wrote the songs. And Hollywood is not that generous. I don't care who your brother is, who your mother is, they're not gonna put in lousy songs because of that. They're, they're not that generous. They have to work. And John Travolta happened to really like the songs. My brother liked the songs. And then, you know, Robert Stigwood, yeah, he goes, great, I liked it. But there was, I mean, at the beginning, there was not a chance in hell that I was gonna get a song in Spiegel of Saturday Night Fever. But I think what happened, I think I morphed into Tony Monaro in a sense that, <laughs> He wanted to up his game, yes? You know, from where he was to now, going to Broadway. 
And so I figured, well, this is do or die, man. This is now or never. I'm 32 years old. I mean, I've put my whole life into this. And so I think it was a stream of consciousness when I was writing the song. So I read the script and I just, it just, I don't know how it is. I mean, it, it just came out, you know, I think it may be years and years of subconsciousness or something of, because uh, I felt the same rejection he felt. Okay. Tony Monero. I mean, I mean, I was so used to getting rejected that when I wouldn't get rejected, I'd get like a panic attack. I, said, Jesus I mean, you know, you get so used to like, like you go into an audition. Okay. Well, I probably won't get it, you know, but because this, this business can really beat you up. You know, it's, it's very rare. And my brother will be the first one to tell you a lot of it is luck. A lot of it is luck and the people who you're with and timing. What if, what if Rocky came out two years later? Who knows? What if Burt Reynolds did it or, or Ryan O'Neill, who they wanted? Wouldn't have been the same movie. What made it what it was that was so raw and nobody other than Burgess Meredith, no one knew who anyone else in the movie was other than Burgess. And he's a great actor, but he was known as the Riddler or the Penguin. What was he? The yeah, Penguin. The Penguin. Penguin. Yeah, right. Here's a guy that did the Mice and Men, great movies. And he's known as the penguin. You know? <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, so, but he's the only one that was really known in the movie. I mean, Talia Shire, you know, not everyone remembers her from Godfather, you know, because that was a little before then. But I mean, she wasn't like a household name. So, and he wasn't. So that's what kind of made the whole thing work. Maybe if it was a famous actor, it wouldn't have worked. Maybe it was the idea that it was an unknown guy that made it work. And maybe it was staying alive. Maybe it was this point in my life. Maybe that was my own little Rocky story, kind of, you know, okay, now it's the time to hit it. And maybe that's what happened. And you did. And I did. And I did. But, you know, again, I got screwed again, you know, on the Academy Awards. Right. That was the weirdest thing ever. I was getting my, I had my, I finished my solo album and I was doing the album cover with a great, great photographer who was actually my his first, Greg, Greg Gorman, who went on to be, you know, top fashion. So I'm doing that and I'm there with, you know, with the photographers and the hairdressers and everything. And they're announcing the Academy Awards that day. Okay. So I'm saying to myself, there's no way I'm not going to get nominated because there's only five songs. So it's been the same five songs for the Golden Globes, same five songs for the Grammys. Unless a new song just popped up like yesterday. It was, you know, and again, I wasn't planning on winning. I thought my friend Michael Cimbello, who wrote Maniac, sang Maniac was going to win because that was a great song. You know, and I was, and I'm a friend of Michael. <clears throat> so I'm sitting there drinking champagne with my girlfriend. And, the, and my girlfriend, believe it or not, was one of the solid gold dancers. I believe that's how I met her on the show. She, I said, wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, this is not bad having a hit record. Thank you very much. Anyway, so we're there like this to go, your brother's calling. I'm there. Oh, Christ, who died? You know, what happened? You know what I mean? He goes, I got bad news. I go, what? I said, did someone die? He goes, well, maybe you didn't get nominated. I go, excuse me? I didn't get nominated? Why? I go, he goes, 
Now, this is weird. My song's number one. Barbara Streisand's from Yentl's song was like 98 with an anchor, okay? They take my song out and put another one of her songs in that's even more obscure than the one that was nominated. And I said, are you kidding me, man? And that really hurt because whether I won or not, it would have been great to have been nominated. I had two brothers, one nominated for acting, one nominated for music. Whether you win or not, just to be in that, you know what I mean? So that's politics. There's no way her song should have been there. It never got charted, but that's politics. Well, was there ever any kind of criteria or anything that was ever shared on that? Because I know whether it's the movies themselves or in this particular case, the songs, there, there are years where I'm like, where did that, what is that? Where did that come from? What's the How about Saturday Night Fever didn't win the Oscar? The best soundtrack in the history of yeah. pick didn't win. How yeah, about Eye of the nice. Tiger didn't win for, Eye of the Tiger is played probably 50,000 times a day. Yeah. Didn't get the Oscar up where we belong from Officer and Gentleman won. Come on. My brother doesn't win for Rocky Balboa. I mean, no, for Creed. Yeah. But he yeah, loses that was, to a I movie. I was disappointed in that. I well, first of all, win. he hadn't won a Golden Globe in 40 years. He won a Golden Globe. He won the Critics' Choice, which he's never won. Even the people in the audience were there. Oh, this is great. Sly's going to win. Yeah, because most of these kids grew up on his movies. And he lost to a movie nobody saw, Bridge of Spies. Yeah. To an actor that was in the movie eight minutes that nobody knew. I got in a lot of trouble because I went ballistic. I said, this is the biggest BS Hollywood bang, bing, bomb, bomb I've ever seen in my life. And I wasn't alone. A lot of other people, even the people that, if you watch the show, that were in the audience that he was running against, they went like this. They didn't know who this guy was. No, Steven Spielberg. Why? He's one of the most powerful men in show business. Can he tell people, hey, listen, you know, my movie's in trouble. See if you can vote. I don't know if that happened, but could be. But I know one reason that was probably one of the best performances he ever did in his life. Oh, and yeah. that was BS. But you know what? At this point, <clears throat> no one watches the Academy Awards anymore. No one cares. It was down 60%. No one watches the Golden Globes or the Grammys because they've become platforms for politics and no one cares. It's an entertainment show. You want to get on a political platform, do it on your own time. But you know, <laughs> the average person, like, and I've learned that on, on stage. I remember Frank Sinatra told me, he goes, never insult your audience. Meaning, in his terms, you go out, you do your job, you know, you try to present yourself as, as best you can, you take care of yourself. You do the stuff, you rehearse, you do your show. Don't go out and be a jerk and sit there and don't play any of the songs that they paid to come see you sing. As I've seen some artists do. They think they're really artsy fartsy. I said, really? Well, they didn't pay to hear those songs. Yeah. So I come from a different school. You know, I, I used to open for Don Rickles all the time and he's from the old school. So you don't show up four minutes late. You get your ass on stage when it's eight o'clock not 8.05, 8. And you're off at 8.30 because guess who's sitting in the wings looking at you like this? Tom Because <laughs> he's ready to go on. Or if the audience went crazy, he would go like this. He'd go, like do another song. He would say, go ahead. You know what I mean? But 
with those type guys, there, there's no, no excuse. The show goes on, pal. They don't care. Frank Sinatra's mother's plane crashed into a mountain. Guess what? He did the show that night. That's the way it is. Frank, how did you meet Sinatra? And I know, okay, I'm, I'm going to share something with you a, a, a while ago. I, I want to say it's uh -huh. 10 years ago, 2010, something like that. I sing with Trey Bella. We're an Italian-American yeah. trio. Yeah. And we've done a couple of the festivals that you were on. And oh. the one festival, uh, we were waiting to go on. And you were having dinner with your dad and Connie Francis. And I don't know who else you guys Was had that the one in Jupiter? Yes. Florida? Yes. Mm -hmm. That's right. My father, God rest his soul. Yeah. We, we met him briefly. It was very yeah. nice. How did you meet these people? Well, the Sinatra? Icons, yes. And the, I, and and Sinatra and Tony Bennett gave you a great shout out after yeah, you released your album. album. Frank Sinatra, first time met him. Oh, I know I met him. For a minute, we had the same manager, Elliot Weissman. So I met Frank when he played the Cerritos. And I have a picture. It's in the documentary. Me staying next to him. That was the only time, seriously, I was ever kind of like in awe, like, like almost like a little nod, you know? because my whole life I've seen that face and there he was. I mean, I can't, how many times I've listened to those songs and everything, more so than when I met the Beatles, more so when I met Frank, it was like, wow, I go, do you mind if I have a picture, Mr. Goes, come here, boy, boy. And I got a picture. And then I met him other times at Trader Vic's with his daughter and people like that. And uh, that was pretty awesome, man. Cause there's nothing that Frank Sinatra has not won. Every Oscars presidential award so that was pretty um pretty amazing that was pretty amazing and uh he's playing the hollywood bowl so i have like front row seats because of elliot weissman's manager right i'm there with the date i said what's better than this drinking wine under the stars this far away from frank sinatra like right here right and this girl's like giving me like the, she's like a piece of cardboard. I'm sitting there watching the show. And then after the show, and I'm kind of like bummed at this point, I thought it'd be like fun. It was fun watching him. Don Rickles would always come out with two sh shot glasses of Jack Daniels. And they would, you know, talk to the audience. So Don walks out, gets Frank, the ass, salute. And I swear, God, I gotta find this footage. He says, is Frankie Stallone in the audience? And I'm there, like, I'm in shock. He goes, I heard you know how um, you did with Billy May. Knock my socks off, kids. Salute. Okay. Now the girl's on me like a cheap suit. <laughs> so I call a cab, send her home. I go party with the chairman of the board, baby. Yeah. So that, that was payback on that one. <laughs> I said, yeah, I can either stay with a bad date or go hang with Frank. I think I, I, think I made the right move yeah. on that one. No, well, you know what, Frank? Bottom line is you've made a lot of right moves. And, and again, we, we know you've got... Uh, we've got you've got a lot of folks to talk to about the documentary. We really appreciate you. Well, we, we can do it again to be continued. Oh, we can do, you know we can do it again. We would love that because I'd like to go sure. back to uh, a little bit on that that Oscar conversation. Pick that up with you a little. Anytime bit. you want to do it, because what what happened? I don't. My publicist is on hiatus now because he's getting married. So I've been booking these things myself, and I I think I might book them too close. But I'm open anytime you want to do it. That this sounds great. Dante, if you want to do it next week, just let me know. Or this week, let me yeah, know. Yeah, we, we may. Said, I kind of overlapped myself today. Yeah. No, we are. Hey, we, 
we we run into that every once in a while ourselves, but we weren't going to let anything get in the way of having this conversation no. with you. So as we close out, I just want to say one thing. I want to share this with you. Uh-huh. On my playlist, when I go to the gym, and by the way, one of my favorite parts of the documentary is when the credits are rolling and Arnold's giving you crap uh, while you're trying to do it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was awesome. But I just want you to know, if I ever need an extra boost, or if I got to take things to the next level at the uh-huh. gym, I crank up one of two songs, and one of them is Far From Over, and uh-huh. I get moving. I get moving. Perfect, man. So thank that you for that. Deal. Yep. And th- but let but but Bill and Rosie contact me, you know, okay. next few days if you want to finish some stuff up. We Definitely. Can do it. We can add it on because you edit the show, right, and put it on. We do. So if you want to continue, we can do that. Yes, Absolutely. we will. Okay. It has so been much. so much fun. Yeah, we'll right. talk about Philly and them guys downtown, down the street. <laughs> All you guys. Yeah, the, the, ac- the accent, you know, I'll tell you what gave, gave it away for me. The guy goes, how do you know a guy's from Philly? I said, because we was in the gym and he's looking at the guy and goes, hey, yo, that guy's real muscular. I said, oh, <laughs> that's not even a word. That's only Philadelphia, muscular. Yeah, Jesus. right up there with the acme. Yeah. The acme, or here was a great one, my piano player's from Philly. He said a sentence and every word was incorrect. Hey, yo, that don't go there yet. I go, whoa. I said, that's five out of six, man. What planet are you from? I swear to God. He was like, hey, yo, kid, that don't go there yet. I go, whoa, God, you didn't pass English, did you? Hey, man, are you going to go there? I said, oh, God, okay. So it's giving us a bad we'll, we'll, name. We'll examine the action. We'll do the thing with Philly going down to Billy's and stuff next time. Definitely. Right. Right. Thank you so much, folks. Thanks, Thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, Bill. Bye-bye. I know exactly the day I opened my mouth to sing. It was a Sunday. All the relatives over the house. It's an old Italian song. And I didn't know what the hell the words were. I was like six, seven years old. It was, it combate. All of a sudden, I just start singing along with it. It just seemed natural. For some reason, it was effortless for me. I never had a pitch problem. I could just sing. Please welcome Frank Stallone. 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 In his world and his talent, he's, you know, every bit as good as I am at what I try to do. He's a five-tool guy. He can sing. He can act. He can perform. He can write. And he can fight like a son of a bitch. He was always kind of performing. He had this kind of theatrical thing. Frank was always kind of on. He sings his ass off. Always did. Frank has style, and Frank has endurance. He likes to talk a lot. <laughs> he can tell. He's a force. He's the real deal. Everybody knows, yeah, he did a little doo-wop thing in the first Rocky film. But they think, oh, that's cute. You know, Sylvester had his brother sing a little thing at the beginning. And then you dig deeper and you find out, wow. This guy's a tremendous musical artist in his own right. It was something I was born to do. And I was able for once in my life to be able to show people what I could do. This is the chance of a lifetime. He was into music 24 hours a day and knew that was his calling. He never quit. I don't think the public took him serious. People are going to be thinking of Sylvester Stallone. You just think of him as soon as you see Frank. It's not easy because you live in the shadow. And every time you get a great job, you know, people say you probably got that because of your product. He didn't. He got this because of his talent. He's gone through hell. I mean, they would put signs up appearing tonight. Rocky's brother, 
Rocky's brother. Oh man, come on. I felt like a complete and absolute failure. Frank, I'm sure, knew what he was getting himself into. He just loved to play. It's like that beating I gave you last night must have rattled your belt, huh? I always wonder what has kept me in this game. But, you know, I just keep coming back to I love it.